Welcome to Coach Speak, presented and co-hosted by Edward Jones Financial Advisor and Marquette Catholic High School Varsity Basketball Coach Steve Medford. I'm Nick Dar. In this episode, we'll talk to former Alton High School and Southwestern High School head football coach Jeff Alderman. Jeff will tell us about 40-plus years in the coaching profession and what it was like being inducted into the Illinois High School Football Coaches Association Hall of Fame in 2020. This episode of Coach Speak with Steve Medford starts in 20 seconds. To win in sports, you must focus on your strategy as the game changes. The same is true of investments. I'm Steve Medford, your Edward Jones Financial Advisor, and I can help. Call 498-8523. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Welcome to another episode of Coach Speak. Believe it or not, episode 15 of Coach Speak with Edward Jones Financial Advisor Steve Medford. And pleased to be joined today by a a veteran football coach, coach of all sorts, I suppose, Jeff Alderman. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Thanks. It's great to be here. It's kind of anxious to see the weather outside and kind of getting the itch to do some stuff. I guess I should. I guess I should have introduced you as Hall of Famer Jeff Alderman. How does that sound? Well, that's very humbling. That 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 just gets to me, and you can tell I, that gives me chills to be considered, because I've never considered myself that kind of person. I've considered myself kind of just a stick to it kind of person that stayed after it. So I guess if longevity's rewarded, then I'll take it. Into the uh, Illinois High School Football Coaches Association Hall of Fame in 2020, and I know uh, that, that was uh, – tell us a little bit about, uh, before we get into your your history and kind of philosophy of coaching, just tell us about getting the call to go in. Well, it, it, it was kind of unique because – and a lot of people will probably – I actually serve on the Illinois High School Football Coaches Association Board of trustees and my duty is hall of fame chair so i oversee the the actual selection process but my colleagues this is done under normal circumstances this is done in december the second week of december and we have the induction ceremony at our spring banquet and uh my colleagues uh didn't really inform me that i'd been nominated so uh uh that was kind of done under the table, so that was a nice surprise, and it, it made it hard for me to kind of run the meeting after that. So, were they? You can do, did you wonder why they kept sending you out of the room for some reason? Or well, they, they just asked me to leave the room, and then I kind of had an inkling, and they discussed it and brought me right back in. So, well, forty plus years in coaching, but uh, normally for most coaches, it starts with playing sports. So tell us a little bit about your playing career. Yeah, I um, I went to uh, Porta High School uh, in Petersburg, Illinois, up for people that don't know where that is. That's in the Springfield area around. A lot of people have been to Lincoln's New Salem State Park. That was right in my backyard growing up. But uh, I uh, I was a three-sport athlete in high school, played, uh, played football, basketball, and baseball. Uh, football was, you know, kind of my strength. And uh, um, I um, was lucky enough to play for a Hall of Fame coach there, and Coach Jack Coyle, uh, at at Porta High School, and uh, and we had some success. I was involved in the very first year of uh, the Illinois High School playoffs in 1975. Uh, we we qualified in Class 2A. We won the Spoon River Conference at that time, 
and uh, was able to uh, get uh, win our first playoff game against Carthage. And in those days, it was a little tougher to make the playoffs. You had, you had to uh, either be a conference champion or at least an eight and one record. Well, we we were six and three, but we won the conference championship. And we it, it's so funny. I'm always amazed when you look at the history, and local people are going to understand where this story leads to. But we played. Carthage High School in the first round of the playoffs, and we're fortunate enough to win. The coach at Carthage High School, and this is going to be a familiar name to Jerseyville people, was Ed Test. Okay, yeah. And uh, uh, and so I just am always amazed at the the people that come back and forth into your career through when, when you've been around for a long time. But uh, and then we got beaten the second round. But but that uh, that was a big influence on me. Uh, I went on, uh, started at uh, Bradley University. Believe it or not, Nick, I thought I wanted to be in radio television. Well, I think I discovered a little bit afterwards that I had a face where I'd had to been on radio. <laughs> Just radio. <right. laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, after that, uh, uh, kind of got the uh, got the itch to, uh, I wanted to be involved in a different, I, I honestly thought I wanted to be uh, the next Jack Buck or somebody like that. And, and I got the itch that I wanted to be a little more involved. So transferred to Illinois College in Jacksonville. Uh, got a That's degree. my school. Yeah, yeah. Got a degree from there. Uh, That's a tough get, Jeff. I mean, it's not easy to hey, get. Hey, <laughs> I tell kids, Yale of the Midwest. That's right. Yeah, I agree. Some of the greatest people in America graduated from there. And That's see, right. you're, you're part of that list. <laughs> uh, but uh, – and uh, – and and got involved that way and the biggest break i really got in my career and i I say this with all honesty when i went in to uh, uh, work on my student teaching assignment uh my advisor at that time dr graber uh he uh he said, well, you're interested in coaching football. And all I had heard about Dr. Graber was, oh, don't tell him you want to coach. Don't tell him you want to coach. You want to be in education. You want to be a teacher first and all this. And and the first question out of his mouth was, you want to coach football, don't you? And I said, well, you know, not knowing how to politically answer that right. and stay on in good graces. I said, yes, that's an interest of mine if it works out. And he said, well, how about going to Griffin High School? And at that time, Griffin High School, most of you know it now as Sacred Heart Griffin, but obviously it was no different back in the uh, back in the 80s uh, uh, that uh, they were the powerhouse in the area, a larger school, and yes, I jumped at the opportunity. So I was able to student teach there in the fall, and uh, that that was just uh, a great experience for me. I, I I I really got in on the ground floor of uh, of big high school football and got exposed to a lot of great coaches at the time there too uh um and uh it's just been you know kind of rolled from there and i'm i'm a typical coach uh the license plate my dad always jokes and then my license plate on my car and this wasn't my choice it was one the state assigned me but it's mvd 166 my, I told my dad it stands for moved 166 times, and, and that's kind of a joke in our family. And fortunately, my wife understands that joke, too. I've uh, been very supportive, but bounced around quite a bit. Been lucky enough to coach in small, small college football, um, large, uh, large high schools, medium-sized high schools, small high schools, and, and it's just been a lifelong passion. It's funny, uh, football especially, I think, 
there's a a camaraderie amongst the team and in the coaching staff that mm-hmm. not that it's not there in other sports, but I it's just a different level in football it seems. Well, I, I agree, and and I, I look at that and I, I think about that a lot, but I I really think it's because of it, it's just a different type of. Of, of effort not that not that other sports don't require that but you know there's the, there's the aspect of physical contact right which is not a normal person doesn't want to run into each other you know no. and, and that that physical contact and 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 the hard work and the fact that you only play once a week and the achievement just feels so much greater. There's so much, It seems like there's so much preparation that goes into football compared to other sports building up to the game. And then, you know, and, and I do think that with 11 people, that's more than any other sport on the field. It requires a lot of people depending on each other. And, and I do think that. But I, I'm prejudiced and biased towards football, yes. I love the other sports, and I love watching them. And, and, uh, but, but, yes, I agree with you. And I, I think part of it, too, might be, you know, when it comes to winning in the other sports, you, all, you have to play as a team and everybody has to be good to win. But in basketball, baseball, for example, um, you can have a bad team and still excel. You can put 30 points a night up right. in basketball, and you can still hit 350 in baseball. But in football, unless, especially from an offensive standpoint, unless you have a good offensive line and, and really 11 guys that, that you're dependent upon them, not just for winning, but for your own individual success too. Exactly, and I think, that, I think that's the neatest thing. I've always told high school kids in football, uh, you know, if, if you're willing to give effort – you got a good work ethic and you got a little bit of courage there's a spot for you on the football field and and you notice I didn't really mention anything about athletic ability right because uh, uh, believe me I wasn't an athlete at all I was just I I referred to myself as a ham and egger just I couldn't run I but you know I I listened and I and I was coachable and I was a lineman you know but uh, just the the effort and uh, that goes a long way I used to say when I was coaching football that you could give me mediocre skill position players and give me five great offensive linemen and we can score points. Right, and and that's the fun thing. It seems like with offensive linemen especially, there's always that kid that as a freshman you think, oh my gosh, if he ever hits a field or whatever, we're, we're not going to have a chance. But by the <laughs> right. time he's a junior or senior because of his work ethic and his will to succeed, he becomes a pretty darn good high school football player. I think that's part of the fun of coaching it too, whether it's offensive or defensive line. It's right. not always uh, talent. It's if you can learn the techniques and perfect the techniques, you can block a guy. You can get around a exactly. guy. Um, exactly. Exactly. So that's that's one of the. I think it's the most for me. It was maybe the most fun position to coach was offensive and defensive line. Yeah, and it, it, it's fun. It's just like um, you know tic tac toe, making sure you have angles, making sure if how you counter that move, and and you know I mean I think I think another sport a lot like it that is is wrestling right from that standpoint that a a great wrestler makes a good good lineman in football particularly because they understand leverage 
and they understand angles and, and getting low. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of correlation between that. You've coached other sports though too, baseball, basketball, I, I believe. So, um, and, and obviously some differences. Talk about the progression though from assistant coach to to head coach. Well, I, like I said, I was I was really fortunate at Griffin. I worked for a head coach by the name of Robin Cooper, and uh, uh, Robin uh, uh, really took me under his wing. I owe him a, an awful lot uh, in the development of my coaching career. And uh, uh, as a student teacher, uh, you know, basically uh, from the varsity standpoint, I didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of experience working with varsity kids, but he still made me feel involved in, in breaking down film and learning and just preparation and organization. And that really started. And, and another coach that was on our staff at Griffin, who's a Hall of Fame coach now, was a fellow, people in this end of the state may not remember him much, but his name's uh, Hud Venerable. Hud is now the athletic director at Bloomington Central Catholic High School. Uh, and um, closest in proximity, he was the head coach at Jacksonville High School for a while, but he won a state championship as the head coach at Normal Community, oh, probably 15 to 20 years ago now. But uh, HUD helped me a lot, too, with just development and, and the, the attitude that it takes because, you know, when you're young and you come out of college, you think that coaching football is just putting on the khakis and 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 running out there, which is a, which is a little bit of a rush on a yeah. Friday night, and uh, and that type of thing. But there's a lot more nuts and bolts to it, and, uh, and 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 the actual coaching. But but that was kind of a start, and uh, and from there I was I was lucky enough to go uh, uh, up. I was able to get a job uh, at East Peoria High School, and uh, uh, you know one of the things at Griffin too, Robin Cooper, who was the head football coach, was also the head baseball coach. So I, w- I was able to help him. And at, uh, at Griffin, it, it was amazing when I look back once again. That first spring I was there, um, I had a player, or we had a player. I didn't have much to do, but he was uh, picked third in the major league draft that year as a senior out of high school, Dick Schofield. His father was a longtime Cardinal. Some of our people from back in the 60s, I know I'm aging myself, but Ducky Schofield was his gra- uh, grandfather, or was his father, I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, and Dicky uh, was uh, drafted by uh, the California Angels that year. A long year. career in the, in the big leagues, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and he was picked third in the draft that year, and the two major leaguers ahead of him were um, uh, Joe Carter, and Ron Darling. So, you know, I mean, this, right. it was amazing to be around him. And I remember we played Joliet Catholic in a weekend series that was set up basically by scouts because Joliet Catholic had a pitcher by the name of Mark Grant, who also had a major league career. And, Andres. And, and he's an announcer now. Right. He's an MLB. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, I remember that weekend series we played a doubleheader on Saturday night and a doubleheader Sunday afternoon and and at the game when Mark Grant pitched against uh, against Dickey there were like I, I I don't know but there were upwards of 50 major league baseball scouts in the stands and I mean it it was a neat and the neatest thing the and really coming for the the only thing I can really compare it to was when a few years ago at Alton when we had Brian Hudson mm-hmm. it, it was similar to that that type of thing so that was neat but the neatest story about that Griffin team baseball wise was we had a a pitcher who wasn't that great in high school 
Didn't do that well. But Cardinal fans are going to remember this guy, Jeff Facero. And and uh, he uh, went on to have an established major right. league uh, career. Had a great slider and and uh, left and, evil. Yeah, yeah, lasted yeah. For a yeah. Long time. And uh, lasted with several major league teams. But I, I regress. Just the, the, those are all experience. I've been so lucky. I you know that that's being around things like that has helped me tremendously. I, I wish more parents. Um, even coaches and, and players could see, and this is probably not the case 100% of the time, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm, I'm going to bet that Dick Schofield and the Mark Grants, they don't just, they are talented, no question about yeah. it. But everybody that I've seen at that level is also the hardest worker. They put in more time away from the field than, than anybody else. And, and players and, and parents and coaches need to see that. Exactly, exactly. Those those kids in particular, even though, you know, and, and they just had something in them. Obviously, they had a little bit of God-given ability, but they also had something in them that kept that drive because well, Jeff Fisero was a prime example. He, he very rarely was a starting pitcher for us in conference games at, at Griffin. I mean, you know, he'd always pitch in the non-conference games and, and that type of thing on the weekend. And But when he got went on, he went to junior college up in Springfield at Lincoln Land, and he developed, he developed, and, and got a scholarship to, I believe it was Arkansas Little Rock, and really became solid there and got drafted and did his journeyman time in the minors but you're right the effort and the hours he put in it's not just like showing up at the uh, at the park at the diamond on friday night and you know playing a game it's right it's it's yeah. time in the gym and time yeah. in the yeah just working on your craft and yeah. and uh, it's it's a lot more than it than just being picked you know, oh yeah you know, that uh, and yeah that and that has to be individually driven right that, that also the belief that you think you can yeah especially because kids like that they've been told no right i mean or you know maybe not right to their face been told no you can't make it but but it's been insinuated and that drives some of them well let's talk about a couple coaching stops here uh locally in the area uh talk about the experience being head coach uh at southwestern high school for football that that and I and I, I think about this a lot, but but to be very honest, and I've had a lot of stops, but that that five year period in the mid '90s uh, to late '90s, that was one of my favorite times in my whole career. I remember that. I've 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 still I've established a lot of uh, a lot of friends, and uh, uh, and I'm still close in contact with a lot of those kids. And, and the funnest, the most fun memory of that is. Boy, when we got there in 94, we were not worth a darn. And I mean, but those kids, you talk about kids that believed and they believed in what I was yelling about and and things like that. And and the freshman class that year uh, as freshmen in a freshman schedule went 0-9, scored one touchdown. Wow. But by the time they graduated as seniors, they were conference champs. And I mean, that is just tremendous and and I'm so proud of those kids and always will be and and one of the neat things now is they're all parents heck I have a lot of their kids up there now that we're working with and uh and and uh it's neat 
to run into them in the street or on social media or whatever and, and stay in touch and see how they've become uh, successful in their respective careers and lives. And, and uh, that's, that was truly a, a neat memory, and, and I was very, uh, very proud of them. And when I left there and went to, went to uh, Peoria, it was a very tough decision. But, but the same way I want, you know, to, kids to improve, I personally wanted to keep improving and go into larger school and larger situation, and, and um, that was a big reason for that move. But, but that was just a tremendous time. Hey, everybody, we need to take a quick break, and then we'll get back to our conversation. But wanted to take a minute to tell you about Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Steve Medford. Normally, Steve's my co-host on the program, but during basketball season, just a little difficult for him to make it work from a, a time standpoint. He's busy coaching basketball, and he's busy with his main role, which is as Edward Jones Financial Advisor in Jerseyville. Steve's been doing it for a really long time. He's done a great job for a lot of clients, from high net worth clients to those just getting started investing. Uh, if you've seen Steve coach, you know what an intense guy he is, what a hard worker he is, and he brings that same intensity and that same work ethic to being a financial advisor. So if you want somebody who is going to work hard, pay attention to every single detail when it comes to your financial portfolio and help you achieve your financial goals, Edward Jones Financial Advisor Steve Medford in Jerseyville is the guy you need to call. Just call 618-498-8523. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. When you take over a program, that and, and most times when you're taking over a program as a new head coach, you're taking over a team that's not very good because there's a, yeah. a, a No jobs open because it's a good job. That's yeah. usually the case, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so what are two or three things on your checklist to say, we got to get this better before we well, start Well, and I think that's exactly it. I think I think first of all just a belief and a work ethic has to be established. And football's great with that because uh uh you know the the, the off-season conditioning, weightlifting uh and we we were really after that first year, after the 94 fall, we were able to really institute a good strength and conditioning program uh, there at Southwestern, and the kids had some success with that. So that helped their confidence, and they started believing in things, and 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 that that just really helped. Plus, they you know you got to have kids believe in that number one, and then they got to stick together and hang together as a group and realize it because the first two years were pretty brutal up there. And I'll never forget the third year when a lot of these kids had been playing, uh, we started off 0-2. And but they rallied and we won about six games in a row, I think, to to make the playoffs. And that was a huge goal. So, you know, getting the kids to believe in what you're saying and and plus, you know, you as the guy that's talking has to walk the walk. I mean, you got to show work ethic. I remember that first few years, I, I told kids that I'm going to make, give you every chance to be successful. I remember going up on lifting days at five in the morning and we had it open for you before school 
or we had it open for you after school. I didn't care when you came. And and we had kids that were getting up and investing time in it, and, and it makes it a lot harder to give up on a Friday night when you've invested that kind of effort and time. Sure. So. Doesn't it make it just that much sweeter, too, when you do win, having gone through struggles? Oh, it's so enjoyable. It's, it, it really is enjoyable. And it, it's no different. And I do think that that's something that, those are the lessons that coaches have that no chemistry teacher has, that no, you know, and all, all due respect to all those people. I mean, you know, I have a dad and a brother who are basically mechanical engineers, and I, I never was blessed with those, those, those kind of smarts, and they learned that kind of stuff in the book. But the, the, the just the work, and they use the same principles that I use as a teacher and coach in their job and it does make it rewarding you've invested so much time you've done things the right way and you get an outcome just like anything in life really exactly and those are life lessons that coaches have right at their disposal and and the big thing i tell young coaches is know the power that you have with that i mean to get that across that that's invaluable Right. So you go from from Southwestern to, to Dunlap. Right. Uh, talk about that experience. Well, that what was, was that program like to, when you well, took over? they had had more success. But the challenge at Dunlap, Dunlap is a collar community to Peoria. Um, around here, I would compare it a lot. Uh, to like a, uh, I'm thinking a triad, uh, where where they've had a lot of growth and a lot of development and things like that. The the Peoria area was growing out that way, and at the time I left Southwestern, I think Dunlap might have had about 700 or about 750 students, about a hundred more than Southwestern had at the time. So it didn't look like that big a school, but Dunlap High School now has 1,300 in it. So the challenge was we were joining uh, the Mid-Illini Conference, which is all the collar communities in Peoria. It's a traditionally about a 5 to 6A conference. And people said, you're crazy to be taken on at that time. And they still are. Washington High School, Metamora High School, uh, Morton High School, all pretty powerful. But, but uh, you know, after, after a couple years, we were blessed enough to uh, have some success. And uh, we were in the playoffs uh, uh, seven years in a row after that. So, and um, was real fortunate to, uh, to uh, coach some great kids up there as well. Hopefully I'm getting my timeline correct, but straight, you went from Dunlap then to Alton High. Then, yeah, back to Alton. What, what led to that decision for you, and well, how did that I, come Well, I actually – I was in Dunlap for 13 years, and I actually uh, – uh, uh, Pretty I, long stay for you. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was the longest. <laughs> right. Yeah, and uh, and uh, um, I, I was the head football coach uh, there for 10 years. And uh, uh, I saw the end of my career as a head coach anyway coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could kind of see that on the horizon. And, and I wanted to prepare myself and challenge myself. So I, I really, obviously to me, the natural movement would have been to become a, an athletic director. And uh, I, I uh, got into administration and uh, uh, the superintendent at, at the time at Dunlap, uh, you know, uh, kind of led me to believe that I would be, you know, the athletic director in time. We had an athletic director who was on the verge of retirement. But uh, then we had a change in administration and 
I, you know, and I'm, uh, but they chose to go a different way with the athletic directorship. So, hey, I'd done this training. I got my master's degree in education after I was 50 years old. I did not want to not use that. Right. And uh, I remember fond times in this area, and uh, I admired Alton from afar and uh, looked at it as a challenge as well. And uh, tough conference, number one, tough, obviously. tough league, and and tough deal, and 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 I really came down here with the with the, the idea that I'd probably be the athletic director. But during the interview process, they said we're kind of looking for a football coach too, and I thought, well, that would be an interesting challenge, and and it was, and and I feel that I feel that we did do a good job football wise and got got the redbirds back to respectability where we were competing and and uh, you know and, and not a doormat in any way and there were great kids and coaches that contributed to that too talk about the difference between some of the differences maybe that that aren't obvious between being an athletic director and being a head coach Seems like as a head coach, you get all the fun stuff. You get the wins and, and yeah, there's yeah, and I mean it's just being in the background. But the neatest thing I, I enjoy the most about being an athletic director is you kind of revel in all the successes, and uh, uh, you don't get and, blamed for all the losses. No, <laughs> no, no, not at all. And uh, I I I think that uh, you know there's a, there's a lot of the organization and and a lot of the PR stuff and helping promote all the programs and. Uh, things like that and uh but uh it was it, it was enjoyable i i don't know i am i do i'll be honest i'd be silly if i didn't admit it but i don't envy athletic directors right now for the last year in these times i mean i know guys have had to change schedules five and six times or uncountable times and and go through all this of the rescheduling and and the mitigations and following all that that goes along with that so that's i was fortunate enough to uh to miss that but uh you know that is uh that's unbelievable, but it does take up. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of time, and it's more than just an eight-hour day. Seems like the job has changed uh, quite a, become. I would say uh, quite a bit more difficult. Just more hats to wear um, now versus twenty-five years ago. Let's say because of social media because of fundraising it seems like that's you know well, you, you have to have some hand yeah in that yeah athletics are, are you know they they don't get the funding that they once did from the districts and rightfully so it, you know there's a lot of, uh, of other uh, things that uh, need to be focused on uh, with expenditures so that does involve a lot of extra fundraising and uh, and things like that and doing what you can for uh, for uh, the respective programs uh, and also so you're right with the social media. I, I uh, coaches face a lot more criticism. Kids face a lot more undue criticism. Right. I mean, I I kind of call it the ESPN effect. Unfortunately, you know, we all tune in ESPN and we we see how they treat uh, the NBA people or the uh, the professional athletes. Well, now that in the last ten to fifteen years has trickled down to the Division One athletes. Well, now unfortunately. It trickles down to the to the area to high school kids, and that's not what high school sports are all about. Uh, and uh, it's not that at all. It doesn't give it. I mean, it's hard enough. What people don't realize, I don't think a lot. Of, it's hard to be a 15, 16 year old right now. 
there are so many influences out there and and doing the right thing as a kid is hard enough uh but yet the extra pressure of of how you're performing at something you're supposed to be having fun at is is even tougher even lower levels than than that you know at at the youth level it, it makes me cringe sometimes just the pressure that's 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 put on these kids and then you know you have walk-up songs and things like that at lower levels it's like let's just let them be kids you know i i always used to joke that with uh and football specifically but it's everything because i saw it as our our kids grew up too uh but i always used to joke that playing for a conference championship in high school is not that big a deal to the kids because when they were 10 years old, they played in the, and I, I don't mean to throw anybody, but the Super Bowl with nicer uniforms, right, nicer yeah. gear uh, than what they have now as a high schooler. So to be honest, it, 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 we've kind of got, and, and you know, I'm a parent too, and any parent, they want to do what's best for their kid at the time. But when they realize in the big picture of things, you know, somewhere along the line, the fun gets bypassed, and and uh, you know the and I think thus as a result, and and you're you're not so young to not remember the pickup baseball games in the neighborhood, or yeah. you don't see that no more. No, well, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. They're worn parents, out. Well, yeah, that I think parents of my generation too. Not that we weren't trying to be wrong, but we just don't let them out of our sight as much. You know what? I and I don't mean to name drop here, but a very good friend of mine uh, is a retired Division One basketball coach, Jim Cruz. People remember him sure. as a SLU coach. But years ago, Coach Cruz told me he goes, you know, he goes, we're our own worst enemy as parents because kids don't we we don't develop leaders no more because. Parents set everything up for kids. Right. We we set up their baseball leagues, their games. We drive them to this. We drive them to that. Where, you know, kind of in the neighborhood in the old days, the older, tougher guys were kind of the pick the teams and, right. and you know, the argued over the – and all that. And you might have went home mad at your buddy, and the next day you showed up playing again. And and thus some leadership and pecking orders were established and and we don't conflict do resolution you know exactly. I mean, all those yeah, things, no that's right? all that's all set up now that's all taken care of yeah yeah and i don't know what the answer to that is to to get that back i, I mean parents aren't going to be willing to now all of a sudden say you know what it is cool go ahead and walk wherever you want yeah and, no i um, think unfortunately that water's passed under the bridge we you know uh i think i think it's you know it, it more depends on you as a parent as far as uh, are you going to let to what extent you got to let your kids fight a few of their own battles, right? You know, and give them a little bit of accountability and, and let them realize that the whole world, you know, everybody else's parents may not be the way you are as a parent, but this this is why I'm doing it. This is why, and and hopefully they they see that. I I always tell the story of uh, I was coaching a, a youth basketball team and it was sixth or seventh grade yeah. and and I was just like you know just get open. 
And they looked at me like, I don't know how to get It's like, we already knew how yeah, to get it. It's like, yeah. Well, that's, and that's, that's a great, from all the pickup games yeah, that we were playing. Yeah. It's like you just figured it out. Yeah, yeah. Go where they're not. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but now th- things are different, maybe better in some ways, but I think uh, in a lot of ways worse. Yeah. Um, talk about, though, I, it seems like the last couple times I've seen you, you're, you're very happy now. Retired, basically, but still coaching at Southwestern. It seems like a great gig for you. It is. I, well, there's a lot less stress in my life. I mean, it's pretty rough now being retired. I mean, <laughs> you know, I've had time to take care of myself. I, I walk a lot, and uh, and I, I I'm the smartest guy in the world when I go for those five mile walks because I to think solve and, all the world's yep, problems. Yep, right? I got it all in my head how to how to solve it. But but I, I'm still, and I thank Coach Keith up at Southwestern because he approached me, and I'll be honest, I I really didn't see myself doing anything anymore. But he approached me at a softball game my last year up at up at Alton Southwestern was playing up there and there would have been nowhere else I would have gone to help out and uh, um, I really appreciate him and the coaches letting me come up and and it keeps me young to be around kids and uh, and uh, and and hopefully I'm helping them out and hopefully I'm helping the coaches out too I mean uh, so uh, it's just fun I'll know when it's time to when, when I'm when I'm that old know-it-all, I'll I'll step away from it. But I don't feel like I'm that yet. So, offensive coordinator at Southwestern <laughs> and six-game season coming up. Right? Yeah, yeah. Now that's unique. You yeah. know that uh, like in March of all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I and and you know I'll be honest about oh back in January uh, we all honestly didn't think we'd have anything. And then, and then before we knew it, it's like, hey, we're going. Right. And so, and I told my wife, I said, man, I, I, I don't know if I'm in the mindset to do this or not and, and, uh, and really get into it. But once you're around the kids and the coaches, it just is, the weather's a heck of a lot nicer. Right. I mean, it's, it's been kind of nice. So, so uh, uh, once you're around the kids, you, you get that going again, and, and we're excited. And I'm most excited for the seniors because we, you know, we all, uh, statewide, we had a bunch of seniors that, uh, that were wondering if they'd ever get to suit up again. Yeah, it's been a tough, tough oh, go for oh, for yeah. the seniors yeah. that, that thought they were going to yeah. miss the season. I guess football was somewhat fortunate because they were, you know, being in the fall sport last year, didn't yeah. get it in. Um, yeah. But yeah, tough, tough situation for the United. Good to play six games, and I think football of all sports is regular season games matter no matter what. Well, and it, yeah, and, and I mean, I don't know what it is about football. And like I said, I'm biased, so maybe I, I'm sure if you bring a basketball coach in, he'd feel the same way. But about his respective sport, but to me, there's something about Friday night football games that bring a community together that everybody comes out to. I don't know if it's just the fact that it's always on the weekend one or night, starting you know, off the, the weekend. Week, yeah, yeah, but but there's something neat about that. Well, Jeff, we're about out of time, but uh, if you could give advice to, to a, a young coach thinking about getting into it or a young athlete, you know, maybe uh, coming to the end of their playing career that's thinking about getting into coaching, what, yeah. what would you say? Well, number one, you got to have energy and passion, and, and, and you can't be fake with your passion. But, but you know, the, the biggest thing that I could get across is we don't know everything. 
I mean, you learn by the day. You learn from the kids. You learn from other coaches. Be a sponge. Absorb everything you can because everything I get, and, you know, the, the old adage out there that coaches are thieves, which uh, everything I've ever done is I've stole from other guys and, and learned from other guys, whether it be at clinics or whether it be talking to them or whether it be watching them. But, but be a student of the game and observe but. Don't ever be fake. If you don't understand something, let the kids know that. They respect that a lot more than you trying to blow smoke. It, it, won't, it won't work. But, but have fun and, uh, and, and enjoy it because uh, with kids, just like your own children, you know, you blink and they're gone and out of the house. So the same way with kids coaching them, they've graduated and gone on to be adults. So enjoy that short ride. Jeff Alderman still learning and still teaching after 40 and a half years in the coaching business. I hope so. I hope so. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it, Nick. Join us again next week on Coach Speak with Edward Jones Financial Advisor Steve Medford.